What's up, Craig? You know, uh, it's funny that you bring up Craig because here at the Loma Lounge, um, the other day I went in to eat my bag lunch, which had my name on it in the fridge, uh, and it was not there. Um, but I followed a trail of honey, uh, which led to the other side of the break room, and Craig had torn through everyone's bag lunch, including wow. mine. For those who don't know, we're using a recording bot named Craig, who has the icon of a bear. And personally, I don't think his, I don't think it's working out here at Loma. I love I Craig. I love Craig. So, I mean. Well, you never bring a bag to lunch, so you don't have to deal with the, the things we deal with. Well, Craig always brings me lunch, so it works out well. The lunch Craig he brings bring me... you is, is just the scraps from all of our combined lunches. That's why I love him. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome to back after to the movies. movies. We missed you. We, we missed did. one. We missed um, an episode. We missed, we missed you. We missed one. We missed an episode. Let's be up. Yeah, we'll be forthcoming. Um, work has been insane. And with the holidays, everyone's winding down anyways. A lot of podcasts I'm listening to are, are kind of taking some time off. And we are going to take a little break um, after Christmas through the new year kind of thing um maybe for like a month probably or a couple or at least a few weeks um every but, couple of weeks yeah uh we so our schedule got mixed up and uh we just have been essentially trying to watch the movies that we have scheduled and record whenever we can and get 12 hours out. before we release <laughs> right and so which is honestly better for the podcast because we can talk about it right away um but it is uh, just an insane schedule, and we are—you're going to get the end of the season for sure, um, and you're going to get the holiday special, which we just recorded. Very excited about; it was a lot of fun, um, and things will go back to normal with the new season. I think um, we'll—we might, you know, if, if anything changes, we'll be the first to let you know. But for the rest of the season, just know that you know you might get an episode on a friday you might get an episode on a on a monday it just kind of mm -hmm. depends on when we get it up um we'll be getting a few episodes out before the holiday and then our our uh season and closer where we always rank the movies and and um you know talk about next season so we'll we'll those will be coming out but today we're here to talk about our final john carpenter film for the season in the mouth of madness mm -hmm. um and Aaron's going to be very mad at me i can already tell uh i do like this movie a lot i will i so this is um i got prince of darkness and i got a blu-ray copy of this the same year for christmas without having seen either of them and i liked prince of darkness and i loved this movie and so rewatching these i prince of darkness i um you know my opinion got higher of prince of darkness i enjoyed it quite a bit i think my opinion of this movie may be a little easier to notice some of its flaws um, but at the same time, I love how ambitious and kind of unique and bizarre it is. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that being said, I'm very curious. I don't know. You got me sweating. I don't know. Maybe you hated it. Maybe you just thought it was okay. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on it in the mouth of madness. Yeah. So, you know, I think for Aaron's pick this week, you know, he picked Santa with muscles for our Chris or our holiday special coming up. This Thursday, which we just recorded, like you said, I think he was two for two for terrible picks. <laughs> um, this movie was an absolute gem, and I really enjoyed it more than any movie I've seen. 
there um, it is. in a long okay. time. Yeah, this movie was great. I know a lot of people don't like it because they say it's hard to follow. And I don't know if I was just so engaged with it that I was able to follow along, but I absolutely loved the premise of it. And I loved this movie. I'm not going to say yeah. it's one of my, it's probably, I don't know where it sits in my top movies of all time, but it's definitely probably climbing its way up there. I really enjoyed it, man. I thought this was a really cool premise for a movie. I was the most engaged I've ever been in a film. Like my phone, I barely picked up my phone at all which is becoming a habit, you know, I try to break, but I was so engaged with the story and what was happening to him and trying to follow along and piece this together. I mean, not only was he, I'm investigating, you were kind of a detective uh, with this movie as well and trying to piece everything together and how the story was going along. And, you know, the whole town of Hobbs end was really cool. And I enjoyed that when he comes back and he starts talking to, you know, the, you know, the boss of the publishing company and you start to wonder what's real and what isn't. And this is all his, you know, uh, recalling his memory when he's being interviewed in that insane asylum. So I really enjoyed it, man. This was a great, great movie. Yeah. Um, I, so I, that's, I think a great point. Like the, I think the main reason people maybe don't love it is it gets a little, uh, things kind of just start happening like crazy shit starts happening when they get to Hobbs end and you, I, this is kind of one of those things a little bit where I, we've said it before on the show and I have a pension for these movies. I like stuff where it's kind of like you buy the ticket, you take the ride. Like at a certain point you stop trying to logistically figure out how everything works. And you just, if you're enjoying the movie, you just kind of like, let it play, let it happen. Um, but uh, I, it's a meta movie in a way, and I just think it's like really unique the way that it plays out, especially at the end. Um, so for those, I mean, obviously watch the movie, but what's the you know this horror writer Sutter Kane goes missing, and that in itself is a reference to Sutter Kane, Stephen King. Mm -hmm. um, Stephen King also writes the horror books that are set in New England. Um, and the movie itself is a tribute to H.P. Lovecraft. You've got these, like, Lovecraftian monsters with tentacles. And he has a story called At the uh, At the Mountains of Madness. And this is in the Mouth of Madness. Um, but it's about this the horror writer that goes missing. And they hire this insurance fraud guy to see if he's actually missing. Is this a publicity stunt? What's, what's happening? Um, and he, you know, has this, like, I love the moment where he figures out that they're like map pieces of the maps on the covers of the book and he's like cutting out piece sections of the covers on the book and putting them together to build a the state of new hampshire i think that's like super interesting um so you've got this guy who's like putting together this mystery and he's trying to figure out is everyone putting him on or is this yeah. you know crazy shit really happening and you get to hobbs end and sutter kane is there and not only is he there but he's like written his own reality where he is essentially bending time to the will of these old you know if you read lovecraft it's like kind of like the old gods but it's like these you know creatures that are from another dimension and and they're returning to the world to kind of take humanity over so they've been dictating these stories to sutter kane to write um and the stories are getting to the point where he's like this pop culture phenomenon and everyone loves his writing and they're starting to drive people totally insane um, and you just have these like really cool carpenter moments, like, um, at the beginning of the movie, uh, what we find out to eventually be Sutter Kane's agent, but at first you don't know, you think it's just this crazy guy. Um, 
what's oh what's his name uh but yeah i mean like when sutter kane's in that church that a demonic like satanic church and he's just writing what's going on around him was probably one of the coolest scenes that i've seen in a movie in a long time that was really interesting to watch happen uh john trent is our main character's name and you get like it's it's unique to carpenter's filmography i think i don't know that he's made anything else quite like this but you still get that carpenter vibe to it i love the shot where john trent is talking to uh somebody who's connected to the publishing house and they're talking about this case and the fraud and stuff and in the background sutter kane's agent appears and like there's all these people running out of a bookstore and he like walks out in trench coat pulls out this axe and just is slowly very like halloween-esque walking towards them and it's one shot of like them having the conversation in the background you see him approaching the diner and then eventually he uh, intrudes on their conversation and breaks the window of the axe and comes in and tries to kill john trent because he's read the book uh he's one of two people who have read in the mouth of madness because he's his agent and he knows what's going to happen in the movie like he knows that the world is going to be overtaken by these things so he tries to kill john in an effort to um you know keep it from happening mm-hmm. uh, because john is like written to deliver this this novel to back to the the real world so that it can be distributed and all this stuff and there's this like sense of real hopelessness at the end of the movie because anything he does to keep from delivering the novel uh is thwarted up to the point where it's like like you know gets rid of his copy and then a copy shows up at this hotel room that he's staying mm-hmm. at and he doesn't know who dropped it off and then he burns that and he goes back to his um back to the publishing company the head of the publishing company Charles charlton heston which was interesting um and he says like that's why i had to burn the last copy of the manuscript and charlton heston's like what are you talking about you delivered that to me six months ago it's already mm-hmm. in, it's already in syndication and then like the I love like it's got this cynical thing too. John Carpenter is like always very cynical and upfront about things. Like he always tells people just like that he cares about money. <laughs> They're like, "Why did you like let so and so remake this movie?" And he's like, "Well, they paid me." <laughs> uh, and like he's got this kind of cynical outlook on things. And I think that comes through at the end of this movie where they're like, you know, well, I hope so. The movie comes out next month. And like, you know, what about the people that don't read? Well, there's a movie coming out. In, in a mm-hmm. month, you know, um, I just think that this is it's such a weird, fun movie that like writes itself in a loop, kind of, so that you, you know, this thing that is happening was always destined to happen. When he's watching he, himself go through the whole entire movie, there he's sitting in that movie theater by himself, and he's my wa- watching everything that's already happened to him happen again on the screen, and the movie that he's watching was the movie that we watched, and. Yeah, we were watching. It was so it was a neat concept because it's like the movie that was made was the movie that we watched. So it's interesting. I was I was. Yeah. And I was like, for a second, I was like, man, I thought they were going to have when he approaches the theater and it says in the mouth of madness. I thought it was going to say like John Carpenter's in the mouth of madness or something with starring Sam Neill or something like that. Um, But it has starring John Trent, who is played by Sam Neill from. um, Jurassic Park and Event Horizon fame. Mm-hmm. Um, I just and this movie's got like a weird sense of humor to it too. The beginning reminded me of the beginning of Christine. Uh, it's got that kind of it doesn't you know Christine is bad to the bone here. John Carpenter does the music, but it's got this like 
weird. Which was great, by the way. The music in this film was unbelievable. There's this like weird kind of rock music playing. And I noticed this with other Carpenter movies. Um, Christine was like this. He has this thing where a lot of times he will show during like the opening credits, he'll show the lead up to this inciting event. Like in Christine, you got footage of them working on cars it's kind of this just giving you this vibe and this setting for where the inciting incident for Christine is going to happen, where the car, you know, uh, kills somebody and, and latches down on somebody's arm. And here it is like you're seeing the book in the mouth of madness being published and you're seeing like thousands and thousands of copies being published at mass, you know, levels. And, and then, you know, in the movie, you, you come to find out that like the more people read this book, the more insanity is going to spread. Mm. Um there's so much I like about this movie. The that ending scene in particular, the movie theater is just like, yeah, like you said, one of the coolest concepts ever. It feels it, like it's one of those movies where somebody going insane really feels that way. Uh, and like this idea, I love it. Like he walks into this movie theater with a bucket of popcorn and is just watching the last twenty four hours as they played out to him. And there's like parts that are ironic like there's the part where he's yelling at um styles and he's like this isn't reality and then he's like talking to somebody else he's like this is reality and it makes him like laugh out loud because he just realizes how like fucked everything is yeah i Um, think to your point there too or to uh, the earlier point and you know the critical response of this film is being uneasy to follow you know in the same thing where i was so heavily engaged you know bird was on the other couch and then Jesse came in at times and we're watching the film and those two weren't as invested. And there was a very drastic difference in our opinions of the film. I went in it where I loved the film and I was like, Oh, that was easy to follow. But the ones that weren't like as engaged and missed parts, because if you look away for a second, you could be really thrown off of what's happening. And they were like, well, that didn't make sense. I didn't really like it. So if you're not, if it's hard for you to pay pay attention and the movie's not going to engage you, you're probably not going to like it. Yeah, and I would say too, um, I don't think it's a hard movie to watch. It's like a a little bit of a slow burn in the sense where the first two acts are like the first act is like before Hobbs End, and like there's not a ton of stuff that like happens. There's a lot of like dialogue y parts in the movie, but I think that they're really well written. It kept me very interested. I I think yeah, I say slow burn in like the the best sense of the word. Then you get to, it like kind of just ratchets up each act. So like the first act is like setting the scene. The second act is like set in Hobbs End, and you're seeing more weird and kind of disturbing stuff. Genuinely, the part where the hotel clerk has her husband like chained to her leg, like scared me. Like it yeah. was very unsettling uh, to watch. I mean, a like, lot of the effects. Did, and everything in this film were very unsettling. I mean, sometimes you see those act scenes and the finger, the hands that come up without yes. fingers and nope. just the little things that there was such a high attention to detail to are what's like sticking out of my head, the effects and, you know, the way the scenes were developed and designed, it just like blew my mind at parts. Yeah. Um, and like the, the idea at the, then the end of the movie moves very quick. Like, the third act is, like, not in a bad way, but in the way that somebody going insane would kind of perceive things. In the third act, it's like, shit is just 
happening. Like it's just you know moving very quickly and um the the to reference like the, you know Sutter Kane in the church and stuff. That insane moment where he rips his face open like pages of a book and like on the other side he like basically tears a hole in reality or in the movie and there's just like black you know where he's ripped this hole but the pages peel back and you can see text on the other side is insane you know it's super super ambitious and weird uh in a way that i love um this actually yeah. had the same rotten tomatoes score as prince of darkness which i think is kind of interesting yeah, it's it kind of almost, you know, and I get that at times, you know, it films mostly, you know, they're polarizing. We've talked about a lot of polarizing films on this podcast, but when I read some of the responses to this film, I'm blown away by it because I just enjoyed it so much. I think for the first time, I'm just like on the other side of things and I'm just like, I don't like what people are saying. You know, it's like, I don't you agree with you at all. Right. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I, so this is the end of, it's It's worth noting, this is the end of Carpenter, what they called Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy, and it was The Thing, Prince of Darkness, and this movie. So it was like three different movies about the world ending in, in different ways. Um, and something that I like a lot about this movie, too, is how much they reference sanity versus insanity, and they talk about, like, uh, you know reality is only or like you know we only consider what we consider sane because that's what the majority believes but if it were to flip and the majority of people were insane it would you know things would flip over and that would be the norm um and they talk about how hard it would be to be the last one left a lot too and that is kind of like where Sutter Kane's fate is and like and then we're not Sutter Kane excuse me John Trent um, but this is like too you you as you find out that John that uh, Sutter Kane is writing all of this, it's really he's you know he gives the book to John and he says like check check out the ending I, you know I think you'll be interested in what I have in store for you. Then to just think about the fact that like he has written John Trent's life into being this thing where he is the only person left, uh, and he's just gone totally insane. He's covered in crayon. Uh, you know, he's covered his cell in crayon. He's like covered himself in crayon and he's just at the movies watching this movie of his life. It's like, man, I, I just, I don't know. I, I really think that this is a, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this movie. I don't know, I've man. Said that just, about a, a few movies, but it's unique. Like just the premise of watching your life on a movie, I think is interesting to think about and to talk about. Like, I don't know if I, you know, there's, it's just crazy to think if you were sat down by yourself and you were forced to watch a movie of your life, like, would you, like, would you enjoy it? Or would that like, just bring like, make you more insane. That's interesting to think about. Well, I hate seeing myself on camera, so I would be, well, it's a good thing that we have a video company together that we put ourselves yeah, on camera. Yeah. All the time. I love it. <laughs> um, uh, have not taken a conscious step backwards from the sketches, whatever, whatever it seems like. That's not the case. Um, no, uh, I agree. And there's also this idea, there is this idea of uh, heaven. Like there's a Radiohead song called Videotape. And, and I think there's kind of this pop culture thing where it's like you get to heaven and you watch your movie back on um, a screen. And this feels like the opposite where it's like he's essentially in hell. 
uh, and and is forced to rewatch, you know, just this journey, this descent into insanity. Um, and like, also, this it's so bizarre and, and weird and interesting too, because everyone around him is just like, it's that thing of, uh, you know, the first thing a crazy person says is, "I'm not crazy." And you have this investigator who comes in to talk to John and get his story. And for a while, you're like, oh, this guy's like, things are going bad outside. This guy's there to, like, figure out what's going on. And, like, he believes him and stuff. And at the end of the movie, he leaves his cell and he's like, oh, the guy's useless. Like, he's just totally insane. You know, everyone thinks he's crazy, even though. And I guess you don't ever really know. This could all be a thing. I was thinking about this. Like, it's it's not a, one of those movies where you're at the end. You're like, oh, was it all a dream or anything like that? But it did make me think about just like, oh, is the character just totally insane? Like, Yeah, I mean, know, I mean, it starts out with him. Happened? It starts out and ends with him in the um, insane asylum. So if it uh, so if it skipped the first part and then right. it just wrapped up with him in the insane asylum, you'd be like, oh, man. He was just insane the whole time. But the fact that it started there and ended there leaves it open for interpretation. It could go either way. It's like, you know, uh, the events led him there or those events never happened. And he was just in there the whole time. Yeah. Yep. Um, have you read any? We talked about Stephen King before. Have you read any H.P. Lovecraft? I haven't. No, no. I've read some Stephen King books, but I haven't read. Uh, unfortunately, in the last couple of years, most of my reading has been through like books I have to read for work or yeah, business, book, and business, business books, books or like books that are required for managers to read or something like that. So most of my reading has been I haven't read for enjoyment in a while. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's interesting because I think H.P. Lovecraft has like notoriously been difficult to adapt um, and like there hasn't been a ton of attempts at it. Um, I think Full Moon Features put out a movie based on Dagon, which is like I have no idea if it's any good or not. Um, people reference Cthulhu all the time, but it's not like we ever got like a Cthulhu movie or anything, you know. Like Underwater, there's a movie that came out two years ago, maybe with Kristen Stewart called Underwater, and that's like the closest that you ever come to there being some kind of a Cthulhu movie at the end. There's this like giant creature underwater um and this isn't an adaptation but it, it does come very close to this thing they call like cosmic horror in his uh you know stories where something is from another world and it's not necessarily space or anything but it's just like this other world where there are these you know creatures that are trying to yeah the other dimension of. type thing yeah and Which i think this movie explores like, a lot yeah, I think this movie does it better than a lot of movies I've seen. Like, there's, there's, it's so gross too. There's like this Cronenberg thing to it where they're like, I thought about door. Cronenberg. The door's like, it looks like it's breathing almost and it's like slimy and it's like, you know, the door is holding back all these creatures until Sutter Kane's like, I can't hold them back any longer. It really made um, me think though, Deary, now this film, I thought about Cronenberg and I was like, who's more successful at this? Is it Cronenberg or Carpenter? And I think that even like that statement in itself is probably extremely polarizing, but like Cronenberg yeah. versus Carpenter, who did it, who did it better? I think you have some room to talk about that. Yeah. Two of my favorite directors. Um, and if we're going atmosphere, I'm going to say now, I guess I will say, and I haven't seen a lot of Cronenberg's later movies, but John Carpenter is like notoriously like tanked the the second not the second half the last like 
20 years of his career, he did like Ghosts on Mars and he did a lot of these movies with like Ice Cube and he did a lot of these movies that are like seen as very bad. Well, he was um, in it. I mean, even though you said it earlier, wasn't he always in it for the money? Kind of like, wasn't that his biggest yeah, thing? I think more, I don't think, more so than Cronenberg. I would say so. I don't think that it necessarily reflects his like uh, desire to make movies, at least in the first like maybe 20 years of his career, like the 70s and 80s. But I know that like once it got to the 90s, things got a little bit spotty. And like there's a, he did Village of the Damned and he said something about how it was his least favorite movie he's done. And he did it because it was like a contract filler. And so like I think he's a little less once you get to the 90s, I think Carpenter is a little less. He cares a little less about what he's got his name attached to. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, he gave the rights of Halloween over to Rob Zombie and then just shit on the movie for like 10 years. And Rob Zombie. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's kind of shitty, to be honest. Like, I don't think Carpenter's a bad guy or anything. And I love his films way more than I like Rob Zombie movies. But when you read that story, you Rob Zombie seems pretty genuine when he's talking about, like, oh, like, I really love John Carpenter. And, like, I just wanted to do kind of my own version of this movie that I love. And even I like though honor Carpenter. Like, honor right. him a little bit. And even though he sold me the rights to it, he has just like taken every opportunity and every interview he's done since then to talk about how much he didn't like my movie. And that's like, you can see it as Carpenter being honest. Um, but at the same time, I do think it's kind of like a not super nice thing to do to a filmmaker that looks up to you. Um, but I also I thought know. this was Carpenter's shining too. I had a couple like hot like takes when I was watching this movie. It was like Carpenter's shining almost. Yeah. I would, I, I, I think that that's, it's the most, um, well, you have two guys that are both going insane, and there's writing involved in the story, um, and, I mean, I don't think Kubrick did another horror movie. This feels like the only thing in Carpenter's filmography that feels like this, uh, whereas other movies are outright horror movies, this is almost like a psychological mm -hmm. it's it's weird because it's a psychological horror movie but it's also got these practical creature effects and it's you know got little bits and pieces of kind of everything yeah so I, i'd agree with you in that statement i think that's like a, a, an interesting way to frame it and look at it um Cronenberg, and i think carpenter is more atmosphere driven i think yeah, like uh, the environment is more of what's affected versus yeah. like the body horror of Cronenberg. Yep. It's more, I think Carpenter's more atmosphere and music and mood and setting. And Cronenberg is more like, we're going to make you squirm in your seat kind of, yeah. you know. Um, but, and I guess they hate each other. This is actually really, I'm glad. I could see that. This. I could see that. Let me see if I can find the quote. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely like you can see Cronenberg more oh that body horror making you grossed out squeamish like freaking you out that way and then carpenter's just like this whole world is melting right right before your eyes you know man i don't know if i'll be able to find it but there was a story i'll, I'll try to find it and if we can i'll, I'll mention it on next week's episode or I'll, I'll post a link on twitter or something there was a story about them both going to a dinner party and Carpenter got there and realized Cronenberg was there and was like, ugh. And he said something about, like, that guy's, like, so far up his own ass. Like, uh, you know, it is 
uh, and in that sense, like I do kind of, it's like Carpenter almost feels like an everyman or like a working man type. In we a should way do a where... short film and call it Cronenberg versus Carpenter, and we each play. Like... I think you would be. I think you would be Cronenberg. I thought Carpenter. He's a little, he's a little bit taller. I think okay. Cronenberg, yeah. and then, and then like Carpenter has like a mustache and like hair that's kind of like comes out like that. Mm-hmm. I think if I did my hair like that, I think we could do. It'd be like uh, everyone would be like, "Why are they so thick?" <laughs> Why are these directors? I don't remember these directors going through a, a thick phase in their lives. Um, that's comedy, folks. <laughs> take, take a guy and make him fatter. Um, no, that would be great. I would love, and then we could get into a fight, and you could like try to insert a videotape into my stomach, mm. um, and I could just play a synthesizer at you. That would work, yeah. yeah. You do know how to play it. That would be better. <laughs> um, I don't, yeah. So this is just, I, I really do think, and it, it is kind of similar, you know, it's funny that these movies, I'm, I feel like I'm talking too much in this episode, but it's similar that it's, or it's interesting that these movies have the same critical response on like Rotten Tomatoes, which I know isn't the be all end all for movies, but I do, and like the, the fact that I got these movies around the same time, I do kind of like, I connect them a little bit. I feel like they're well. They are very similar. similar. They are very similar. The premise. I mean, yeah. I mean, the scene and the universe it changes, but all in all, it's a cosmic. You know, it's a second dimension being trying to overtake the current world. So it's, it's like the and, same, again, right? And it's like the thing. I mean, which is you know not necessarily another dimension. That one's a little more alien, but it's like the yeah. same thing where it's this outside force uh, that is. And then it's this outside force, and then the second part of that being, like, the people are essentially hopeless when it comes to stopping it. Yeah. And, like, they, you know, they don't know, like, for the, they spend the first hour of the movie thinking they, they might be able to stop it, but by the end, they kind of know. I guess Prince of Darkness might be the only movie where that's different. It's switched around a little bit, because it seems like they defeat the entity. Um, but, yeah, very similar movies. Uh, this one just... People try to do meta stuff to, and and uh, you know they do end up being like up their own ass sometimes. Like you're like, oh, like I hate when it takes a lot to break the fourth wall or something and have it not feel like eye rolly. Uh, and I just I think this movie does it right. You know, I agree. I agree, man. This was a good one. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. That's our talk on in the mouth of madness. Uh, I think we both recommend this movie. Highly. Um, yeah, so so check it out, especially if you're into, I would say, like, H.P. Lovecraft. Um, as much as they, like, dunk on Stephen King during the movie, it's got some Stephen King vibes to it. Mm-hmm. And um, Sam Neill is great. His performance is great. Um, really weird and interesting movie, the kind of movie we like on after the movies. So Yeah, no, it was, it was really good. I'm glad I got to watch it. I had a lot of fun. Awesome. So later this week... Tune in for our holiday special. I think I have the schedule right. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have our holiday special out later this week on Christmas Eve, hopefully. Uh, maybe even the day before. We'll, not to push Jimmy, but just we'll see when it gets edited. It'll come up. We'll post about it. But we will try to, we will have that up before Christmas um, so that you can enjoy it over your break. Um, and then we will be back after the holiday 
for Eyes Wide Shut. And what happens next will scare you, as well as our... We'll probably just group the episodes together, so you can look forward to some longer episodes. It'll be easier for us to record. But we'll talk about the movie, and then on each subsequent episode, we'll talk about ranking the movies from that season. Um, so we'll do the, the Cooper Carpenter ones for, you know, the, the Eyes Wide Shut episode. And then we'll also talk about all of the one-off picks that we, we did uh, during the What Happens Next Will Scare You episode. As I mentioned on our holiday special, it's come to my attention that What Happens Next Will Scare You is not readily available to watch. Um, it is certainly new, and I don't think it's hit video on demand yet. I could be wrong. If you find a copy, definitely give them your money. Um, I think that you may be able to still give to the Kickstarter to get a, a digital copy. But uh, in, in interest of our podcast and, and how many people do listen every week, um, if you email me at AaronVMook at gmail.com or if you send us a message on Twitter... Um, or Facebook, I will share a link with you that has a digital copy. Um, if somebody listens to this and I get in trouble, then I will not do that. But until that happens, message me and I will share my link with you um, so that everyone can enjoy this awesome movie and we can end the year outright. So, yeah, no, I, you know, it'd be great. And, you know, our podcast, even though it's coming to the end of the year, our podcast doesn't hit its year anniversary till around April, I believe. Uh, but I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been listening. Uh, thank you to all our new listeners that keep coming by every single week. Uh, we keep growing in numbers, everyone. So I just want to say thank you so much. I know at this time we really start pitching our own stuff, but it's really, you know, we want to be able to do this every week if we didn't have listeners. So I'm really appreciative of what we've gained so far this year and what we'll continue to do into the next year. So, yeah. And while we're, while we're here, I will say, we talked a little bit about it on the last episode, uh, I definitely owe you a thank you um, for taking the time to edit all these episodes, uh, but also because we both know that our work schedules are insane. Mm -hmm. um, I very I love doing this podcast with you. It's been an awesome first year, quote unquote, even though it hasn't been April yet. Um, so thank you to the listeners, yes, and also thank you to you for you know taking the time to carve out a, a few hours each week to watch the movies and record and um i'm very Thanks, excited about what the next year holds for us yeah it's been fun i enjoy doing this with you it's you know it's almost selfish at times because me and you would always talk about film anyways but the only difference now is is we do it in front of a camera and a microphone so either way these conversations yep. would be happening um but we appreciate you wanting to be in on these conversations that we have yep and uh, if you get some extra holiday cash by chance, uh, you can always give us a few bucks a month or more if you'd like to. We have a Patreon um, where you can access behind the scenes uh, content. You can access video episodes of these podcasts, sometimes get them a little bit early, um, as well as access to the Discord, watch parties, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, so you are, you know, we'd love to have you there. And uh, if you can't do that, we totally understand. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend, share it on social media. That helps us out a bunch. Or leave us a review on Apple Music. Um, that is a great way to help people find the show. Um, so those are all free ways that you can support us if you have the time. Regardless, we appreciate you listening. And we have three patrons that we'd like to thank. Um, I know the name of two of them. Uh, I always, it's like, it's like a musical chairs in my head. I remember two and then one goes. Um, so I would like to, so I will, here's what I'll do. I'll thank one. 
you thank the uh, the second one, and then we'll see if the third one is the one that I know. Okay. So I would like to thank Dylan Painter. And I would like to thank Jay Irvin. And I would like to thank Tyler Buckley. Thank you, Perfect. all three of you, uh, for, for being patrons. We really appreciate it. Um, and if you'd like to join them, we'd love to have you in the club as well. Um, so we will be back this week with Santa with Muscles. You can watch the movie. Uh, James says, watch the movie. He recommends it highly. If you're going to yep. choose between Santa with Muscles or In the Mouth of Madness, what should they watch? Oh, you gotta go with Santa with muscles, man. You gotta, if you can only watch one this week, you gotta go with Santa with muscles. I mean, come on. And it's free uh, on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's free. It's a wonderful VHS rip. Uh, Everybody loves a free YouTube movie. <laughs> <laughs> It'll suck five hours of your day. Um, or feel like it anyways. It's only a 90 minute movie, but check that out. The Christmas special comes out this week. Happy holidays to all of our listeners. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great little break. I hope people are able to get a little bit of time off work or they're able to see their families. Whatever you want to do for the holidays. And uh, we'll be back next week with Eyes Wide Shut. And what happens next will scare you. Alright, have a good one everyone.